Welcome everybody to Black Coffee and Theology. Party people, welcome back to the podcast. I am excited for a doubleheader for this episode. And I combine two conversations that I had with some really good friends. The first is with Marla Taviano. And she's just real good people. (laughs) Just real good people. As we discuss her book, Jaded, and talk about a, a, a variety of things as far as disentangling your faith, asking really good questions. What does it mean to... Uh, make belief in the divine real to you? What does it mean to not believe? Different things. And so love that. So I have a portion of the conversation with Marla and I have another portion with Jessica Kantrowitz. And I really, really enjoyed that conversation as we talk about one of her books, Good Morning Friends. And starting the morning and with gentle suggestions uh, is part of our conversation. And we talk about what it means to be people who are wounded writers and uh, writing out of that place of being wounded and wanting to do good work in the world. And so I hope that you sit back and relax and enjoy these two conversations. All right, everybody, welcome back to the pod. And I am joined by uh, a special guest, a friend, uh, Marla Taviano. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Robert. I'm super excited to be here. Mm, I'm excited to have you, friend. I uh, saw a bit about how I how I have interacted with you and engaged with you, and then I'll let you talk about yourself. I uh, met Marla, as I have most guests (laughs) that have come on this podcast, through the uh, cesspool that can be Twitter. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and I feel like it's been like two years at least and I experienced you first as just being like really curious open questioning on just different posts and I was like wow that's really dope like I really appreciate um, just that heart within somebody that hasn't figured it all out and is asking questions about everything Right. And um, and the second thing that I would say uh, that I love is that you really do champion others. You uh, really, really make it your ambition to amplify the voices of especially black people. Uh, And for that, I am ever grateful, (laughs) um, inspired, touched. And I yeah, in a world where uh, people proclaim themselves as allies and uh, that thing is short-lived, <laughs> mm-hmm. I really have experienced you as being consistent and uh, 
and the way that you really um, sit with the stories of Black people, amplify our work um, throughout the range of like methodologies and theologies or whatnot, you really have been consistent. And so thank you for that, truly. <laughs> yeah. Wow, well, thank you for that, truly. <laughs> um, I Yes, we met on Twitter and I don't know when it was either, but I the, my first memory is of you saying that your reading had been lopsided. Like I will mm, never forget yeah. that. And that it specifically um, that you had not read a lot by black women mm -hmm. um, is what you said. And that, that resonated with me. I was like instant connection because um, my reading also <laughs> had been very lopsided and um, I'm older than you, I'm 47. I've been reading since I was four. And when I say reading since I was four, I mean like reading every single day <laughs> since I was four, um, love to read. And it wasn't until um, like five, six years ago that I, I even realized that I had been reading primarily white authors. Um, and we can get into that later, but that, that really changed my whole entire world like it really it changed everything um so yeah that was our connection and when you talk about me um championing other people that that's my that's that gives me more joy in my life I think than anything else and um a hero to me in that respect was Rachel Held Evans who um uh -huh. she's I owe her I mean I dedicated my my first book that I just last year to her dedicated that to her because she changed my life personally in that we were like the same kind of person growing up, like super zealous for Jesus and telling people about him in our public school and just on fire, knew everything, thought we knew everything. <laughs> and then she started waking up to things. And when I, like her first book, when it came out, scared me to death. Like I, I think I started to read it and I couldn't because she was saying things, questioning things. And I thought, this is not just someone coming out of the blue. She was all in just like me. And if she's having these questions and then I'm in trouble. And then at some point I decided, well, Hey, I just need to read this. What if she's right? Like, what if these things are right? I, I need to know. Um, so she just set me on this path that changed my life. And then we were kind of championing people at the, the same time. Um, probably she was a little ahead of me on that too. Um, but yeah, she's just, it, that, that's, it's what I want to do. And I love that I have an opportunity to do it and yeah. And I know you do it too. Like it, yeah, it's something we, we share in common. Mm, yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, so a question that I tried to ask uh, everyone who comes on is, how would you describe yourself? You know, what, uh, what things are important about you to you and how do you show up in the world? Yeah. Um, well, like I, like I said, I'm a reader. I'm a writer. Lover, learner. That's what I would say. Reader, writer, lover, learner. Um, I, back in the, <laughs> Back in the day, I would I used to define myself, I realized, as wife, mom, and child of God. Um, I'm divorced now, so I'm not a wife. 
um, I'm at a little separation period from God. <laughs> We're trying to figure that out. Listen, so, <laughs> so I've still got the mom title. That is very, very important to me. I have three um, young adult. Well, my youngest is, I have three daughters who are 22, 20, and 17. And I have a son-in-law. Um, and currently we all live together in the same house. I've been divorced for almost three years now. Um, and so being a mom is a, it's a very um, important thing to me. I love my kids. I like my kids. We have um, so much fun together. We have grown so much together. They got front row seats to me. Um, whatever happened to my faith <laughs> from mom being on fire, white evangelical Christian to eh, not sure what's happening now. So they've been through, through that whole entire thing with me. Um, but I just, the lover part, um, not a lover, like as a, like a one person that I am a lover to, but just my whole thing now is, is love. Like if, if something isn't loving, I don't really want any part of it. And that's a big thing that made me start waking up and eventually walking away pretty much from Christianity was that of all the talk about love, I was not seeing love. And I had people even actually say to me, well, Marla, sometimes love feels like hate. And I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> no, I, I'm not really into that kind of love. If, if, if the love I'm showing to someone feels like hate to them, and eh, no, I don't care what the Bible says. Um, that's that's not love. And seeing love and showing love and being love and receiving love and yeah, that's. So if I had to pick one word, it would be that one. But that reading and that writing and that learning and the unlearning um, is all a big thing. I, I I do a lot with my mind. I am currently at this stage in my life, trying to get in touch with my body more, um, yeah. in addition to my mind. Cause I have a, I've had a long time tendency to just hang out in my head <laughs> and I know, um, that my body is important and I know that I need her. Um, if I want to keep reading and writing and learning all those things. So, mm, yeah. yeah, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, I've, on the on the table today, we are discussing, among other things, <laughs> um, uh, your new book coming out, Jaded. Mm -hmm. And I had the privilege, the honor <laughs> to read, you know, a draft, you know, before it as it makes its way towards completion. Yeah. And I am excited for it. You know, I, I got your original book, Unbelieve. Uh, at the beginning, towards the beginning of the pandemic, and now at this stage, here we are at Jaded. And I want to read a piece of it just to enter us into conversation about it. All right. It's called Jaded. <laughs> so <laughs> adjective, <laughs> tired, bored, or lacking enthusiasm. Typically, after having had too much of something, made cynical by experience, and over it already but also can't seem to let it go. Talk to me about those words, because I have thoughts on it, but I want to hear your thoughts <laughs> on it. Um, yeah, so unbelief, um, 
Zach, I self-published that in um, September of 2021. And that was a five, six, seven year process. I had been writing. Um, I have some books out in the world that I don't want people to read that were back from my super conservative Christian days. But um, we bless. Can't we keep going oh, towards evolution? Like, woo. oh man, I just sometimes I just can't believe they're out there. Like people can read them still. Um, but so as my faith started shifting, I started waking up to things. Um, I I wrote about it naturally. That's what I do. And the more I wrote, things would just keep evolving and changing. I couldn't keep up with it. And long story short, I decided at some point to turn it into a kind of poetry. Um, it's kind of chunky poetry. People have called it prose poetry. Um, and it's, it's not my whole entire story because poetry doesn't tell a whole entire story, but that's, that was, that's what was my hang up. I can't tell this whole entire story. How do I do this? And so then I realized, you know what, let's let that go. We don't have to do that. So I, I did that. So unbelieve it's poems on the journey to becoming a heretic. And I, it's very much my story of having questions, uh, questioning things that I'd held to be absolute truth for my whole life and waking up to my whiteness and white supremacy and just all of these things. So that was that. And then my plan <laughs> was that I would write a follow-up book and that would be me moving into everything, beautiful, wonderful freedom on the other side of this white evangelical Christian indoctrination. Well, as I sat down to write that, I there was just so much, and I have poems in Jaded about that, but just so much going on in my head and my heart, so much going on in the world. Like not even for a second, we could not get a break or a breath from white Christian nationalism and just everything that was happening and happens on the daily for the last 400 years. Um, and then the things in my past kept creeping up that I was realizing, oh, I, I'm, I'm still traumatized by things that were done to me or were taught to me in my past, mm. but even worse, um, things that I did or said to other people because of that. And I never want to blame that on what I was taught while also realizing I believed I was doing the right thing. I believed right, that yeah. I was loving people. I, I really honestly can say that I believed that. Um, and I'm not saying that every single thing I did in my life was out of, of course, love. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was not. Um, but much of what I, what I wrote, what I told people, I would go speak to groups of women about how to, love their husbands unselfishly and blah, blah, blah. And this was just what I thought was true. So I started to realize I can't move into this, this happily ever after book yet that I want to write until true. I deal with some crap. And so jaded is what came out of that. So that's why what you just read, um, made cynical by experience and over it already, but also, <laughs> can't seem to let it go. And I don't, hmm. I don't believe that um, I will probably ever quote unquote, let it all go. But what I know is you can't move forward in anything without dealing 
with what has happened in the past. And that's what we're seeing like specifically with, with racism in the U S is that a lot of white people are like, okay, fine. That's in the past. Let's start over right now, January, 2023. And let's just move forward and love everybody. And you're like, well, that's, that's not how any of that (laughs) works. And, um, so this was me kind of just dealing with a lot of that. And did I get it all out? No, there's a poem at the end of the book because the, the subtitle is A Poetic Reckoning with White Evangelical Christian Indoctrination. Mm. And I say that um, it, it's more, this is not a, it's not over. It, this is a yeah. partial reckoning, an incomplete reckoning, um, just scratching the surface reckoning. Mm. Um, but I don't want to spend all of my time, um, rehashing all of the, all of everything, but knowing that you can't, you you can't move forward truly until we deal with a lot of stuff. So, yeah, I, I, so the popular term in in today's lexicon (laughs) is deconstruction. I have, yeah. I have endless thoughts, uh, <laughs> and I, I endless. <laughs> I I know some of your thoughts, but I'm assuming there are many, many that you have not shared. <laughs> Truly, um, it's no. a, it's a treasure unending of thoughts. It's a, you're reaching <laughs> that hat, and woo, where's the bottom? Oh yeah, got um, it. <laughs> but for today, keeping it, you know, keeping it right, keeping it tight, is, um something that I appreciate is when thinking about deconstruction, it is kind of the banner over it and under it seems to be people who have been wounded by the church in some way, wounded by Christianity, who are questioning, who are doubting, who are unbelieving, who are, you know, disentangling some things, right? And they they are trying to seek some people are just trying to seek peace, right? They're trying to seek a refuge. They're not even asking for answers. They're like, I just want um, the chaos to stop in my life. You know, that maybe evangelical Christianity caused them or from the the broad stream of Christianity, it's not only evangelicalism. Um, But something that I have seen, there's a lot of toxicity uh, that can resist, rest in that movement. Uh, There's a lot of racism that's still embedded, even as people um, are breaking free of one religious uh, oppression. But what I appreciate uh, about this book, how you posture yourself, is that you're asking questions. You are admitting that I am jaded, right? Like that, that's this book, right? Yeah. You know, the other book, that journey to becoming a heretic, that's like a subversive tongue-in-cheek, but also like you have things that you're questioning, dismantling. Uh, but I appreciate in the can't seem to let it go, what I observe is it would be easier for you to just blast uh, Christianity and then just say, I'm done with spirituality in general, right? Like you have been through some traumatic things, uh, truly. Uh, there seems to be this can't seem to let it go dimension that I really appreciate this ability to hold tension that you know, you have been vocal about like, hey, I do, me and God are on time 
I don't know where I'm at with that, but that journey, still questioning, still uh, ingesting different spiritual leaders, that tension is so uh, unusual. So talk about that piece and your deconstruction piece, because I think it is easier to just say, okay, I'm done. Like, I don't even need to think about it. It's just done. Yeah, I I want to say part of the reason that has been how I do it is because my anti-racism journey started before I started doing all this quote-unquote deconstructing stuff. So mm. I my, that started when... Um, when my ex-husband now and I um, joined a church plant that our friend who is a black man was starting a multi-ethnic church in our city. So this is back in 2009. So we started that. We, I mean, that was like a huge wake up call. And even for a while there, it was like, oh, let's just all get together and do church together. And, um, and I won't, I mean, I'm not going to critique that church or any of that. Um, but a lot of times it did feel like let's get different colors of people together and, and start another white church. <laughs> like we, we tried and our many thoughts on awesome. multi-ethnic <laughs> movement yeah. too, but we yeah. go keep it cute. <laughs> <laughs> so our, our pastor, an awesome man, loved him and his family. Um, but so that kind of was first. And then it, for me, when, when Trayvon Martin was killed in, in, in 2012, that is when um, I woke up. I had a black friend who was a newish friend from the church who asked on Facebook, why aren't any of my white friends talking about Trayvon Martin? And I thought, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I, th I must have Googled it then. And I see this story. And then that just let, like, I literally had no idea, like not just no idea about Trayvon Martin, no idea about police brutality, no idea, all of, it was just so brand new to me. And so that's when that all started for me. And as far as the beliefs that I had and taking the Bible literally and not taking it literally, all of that, that came after. And so what what I just feel really, really strongly about, and I try to say this a lot in Jaded, is that I can only speak for me and I can only speak for the, the brand of Christianity that I grew up with, that I subscribe to, um, and that's white evangelical Christianity. And I can, I can throw that out, but I can't throw out a whole a whole thing called Christianity as I'm reading all these authors and I'm learning history and I'm reading history U.S. history from black people's perspective and I'm reading about enslaved people who made Christianity their own and I'm reading about these spirituals and I'm reading about that is not the same that's not even the same thing that I, wow, yeah. it's the difference of an oppressor religion and the religion of the oppressed. And, and while they have similarities and they're using the same Bible, it's totally, absolutely like completely different. Um, and so then it, it, it's interesting to me how, I, 
so I have read so many, I've read the Bibles through like, I want to say 15 times, maybe 20 times over the course of my life. I have done Bible studies. I've read books. I know so much about the Bible. Well, <laughs> come to find out what I know about the Bible is how white people <laughs> in the United States have interpreted the Bible. And so when, whenever I hear anything these days written in that vein, I'm instantly either completely bored or completely turned off or I want nothing to do with it. And yet somehow you got someone like Dr. Will Gaffney and I read Womanist Midrash and I'm like devouring it where the same, the same verses in the Bible and yet it's a whole new world. And that just like blows my mind. It completely blows my mind. So I, I can't let it go. And it's people, I mean, it is womanist theologians really that will get the first, they, they are the reason that I cannot let Christianity as a whole go. Mm. And then people like you and Trey, like you're another part of why I, I, because there's something there that still appeals to me. I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Don't that, know. that ability to hold that uh, is so rare it's beautiful uh to say hey i've really done on this end but then there's this open wonder um even if it's just a spark there's enough here for me to try to mine out this curiosity everybody welcome back to the podcast and i have uh, a special treat uh listen author <laughs> writer multi-talented writer uh, thinker <laughs> jessica kantrowitz is on the podcast today welcome 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 thank you i'm so excited to be here yes uh fun fact uh I wanted to ask you to be on the podcast back when I first imagined the podcast. Oh, That's, really? So, so, that is, so this is a full circle moment for me. Wow. <laughs> so when I first conceived a Black Coffee and Theology and was trying to get my head around the, the type of people that I wanted to see, sit down with and the vibe that I wanted for this particular podcast you were the one of the first names I thought of <laughs> so that helped oh. me conceive this 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 thing so you like my vibe you... Robert yeah it's exactly. <laughs> yes no it, and I think it's um I wanted a different podcast especially than uh spiritual podcasts that were out there where it was either a popcorn interview style or mm -hmm. this really heady thing about God or the universe. And I was like, I find a lot of life in sitting with people I respect and just vibing, <laughs> just talking. Mm -hmm. um, and they're like, let us reason together around that. So Jessica, that's you. That's <laughs> Wow. Well, if I had a podcast, you would be one of my first guests too, but God protect me from ever having a podcast because that seems like a lot of work. 
<laughs> it is. <laughs> um, um, so with that said, uh, I always ask people to talk about who you are, um, how you show up in the world, what's important to you. Hmm. How I show up in the world. Yeah, well, I think a lot of that has sort of changed over the last few years as I've come to understand sort of how disabled I am by my different, you know, migraines and depression. I've recently realized that I also have autism mm. uh, and then like chronic knee and foot and back injuries. Um, and so I think for a lot of my life, I was trying to show up in ministry in ways that I was sort of never a good fit for personality wise anyway, but um, was trying to, and, but I probably could have like fit for longer if I had had more energy and more health, you know? And so the last few years for me has been sort of um, reassessing how I can show up with the limited, you know, abilities and energy that I have. Um, so it's, it's letting go of a lot of the times, I guess, when, when I can't show up and being okay with, you know, focusing my energy on the ways that I can. And that's been, you know, through my books, through my writing, um, through social media, which actually, for me, can take a lot less energy than showing up in person to things because um, you could sort of dip in and out whenever you want. Um, yeah, and also finding I've, I've found a group of people in um, real life who, and quote unquote real life, you know, no, in I person. Get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, um, that's been very life-giving recently as well. And then also just as an artist, you know, well, as a writer, which I guess is a type of artist, um, it is, but yes, <laughs> finding, finding other creative people to collaborate with has been really powerful for me the last few years as well. Mm. Yeah. You'd be, you'd be drawing too. So you... <laughs> <laughs> poorly, but yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I won't tussle with you on that. I <laughs> No, you, you draw well. But I, thank you. Um, one more fun question that I ask some people is name a song that either embodies how you are, who you are right now, or that you're vibing with right now. Uh, I'm really bad at these. Whenever everyone asks me, like, what's a song or what's a book that you like, I completely <laughs> You're them. like, I've never heard a song in life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, um, what songs have I been listening to lately? I don't know. I, well, my, um, my dad died a little over a year ago. And so I inherited a lot of his CDs. So mm. in the car, which is the only CD player that I have, I've been listening to a lot of, um, 60s music, which we, <laughs> was something we both loved. So the Beatles and Bob Dylan. Mm. I can't think of a specific Bob Dylan song, but his music is really powerful for me in a lot of ways. Mm, I like that. Mm, thank you. Mm. Yeah. How about, so, can I ask you that question back? Yes, you can. What's the song you've been vibing with lately? 
Um, mm, that's I like it to turn the tables on me, Jessica. <laughs> I <laughs> um mm, let's see. So something that people may not know about me um is uh Meg the Stallion <laughs> is mm. a fan favorite in this okay. house. <laughs> uh, it's hey, <laughs> um all of her songs go double platinum in this household. Um, right. <laughs> I don't know what they are outside, but in here, they're platinum. And, um, you know, she had um, her most latest album is about trauma and anxiety. And, uh, oh, some, yeah, and as someone who has experienced a lot of both, <laughs> I resonated with uh, her vulnerability on the album in general. And there are specific mm -hmm. songs that I, I, that touched me. Uh, but yeah, I would say most things uh, that Megan Thee Stallion uh, has to say, that's controversial. I know people are like, <laughs> perish the thought. And um, <laughs> one that I listen to over and over again is called God's Favorite. Um, oh. <laughs> um, it's a vibe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Is um, it like an upbeat kind of song or? It's a medium tempo kind of chill in the house. Um, you know, I like, I just, it's such a favorite for me. <laughs> I just, yeah. So that, that would be my, my uh, anthem probably until I die. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll have to listen to that afterwards. Yes. Uh, so it's a little bop. Mm. So on the table, uh, this is the only time this happened in Black Coffee and Theology history. Uh, a guest suggested a, a topic to me, and I was like, yes, let's do that. Usually I reach out with like, I specifically want you for this, but oh. you you had a, a great topic request. And so we're talking about writing as wounded healers. Mm -hmm. mm. And I, I first want to ask you, you know, and we're going to talk about, you know, your latest book, you know, in the scope of that. Um but okay. what does writing as a wounded healer mean to you? I have my own thoughts, but I'll let you go first. Mm -hmm. Well, that kind of ties into what I was sharing um, earlier, which is that, you know, re reassessing what I'm able to do and, you know, my, how I show up in life. Um, I was thinking, I really like um I'm gonna forget exactly where it is but I think first Corinthians 12 maybe where Paul is talking about the body of Christ that um mm. and how all the different parts of the body um are important and do different things and like, I think of it in terms of not just Christians but like community you know because mm, yeah. I don't think it I, I think it's true of community in general and honestly I don't specifically see where it's been more true of Christians than of other people in my life that they're you good better at speak. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just really like, he just, Paul just explains it really well. Um, I, I've been out of seminary for so long and away from those faces that I can't quote it, <laughs> but oh, he talks about, um, yeah, he talks about like the, the shameful parts of the body we give special honor to. Um, and so that's been really important to me in thinking of like 
okay, if I believe this, then I believe that's true of me and of everyone else, no matter what we're going through, you know, no, even the days, the days when I was spending 23 and a half hours in bed with depression and migraines, like I still was a part of, of community. I was still important and had something to offer to other people. And so it's kind of been for me answering the question of like, well, if we assume that that's true, then what is it that I can offer right now? You know, it's not leading worship anymore. It's not, you know, helping out with the youth group. It's not any of those like leadership positions or whatever. But for me, it has been through my writing um, and through just being really honest about what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I don't know, I, I, I think, I don't know if people, if a lot of people aren't honest or if they're just like maybe 95% honest, but then there's a little bit that people are holding back. But I think one thing I'm good at is like just being completely honest about where I am. And then as a writer, like describing it exactly Mm. you know yeah and I've found that the weirder I think my feelings are where I where what I'm experiencing is the weirder it is the more I can like describe it really well the more people say oh my gosh I feel that way too Mm. and so I sort of see that as yeah go ahead yeah I was just thinking about all that you're sharing right now and I've told you this, but I'll just say this on the podcast is I gave a copy of one of your books. I think it was blessings for the long night um, to a friend. I really just felt imp- impressed to give to a longtime um, family friend and gave it to her. Didn't think I didn't know how it would resonate, but mm. it so powerfully resonated with her. Um, oh, and wow. she, she kept thanking me over and over again, you know, over the course of, you know, weeks. And um, then she bought it for a friend um, going through a very, very long night. Uh, mm. And so just thinking about how your writing has compounded uh, is one thought in my mind. And I, I, I think of, you know, writing as a wounded healer, my experiences in the church have been mostly, especially from the platform downwards, which is how things kind of operate, is mm-hmm. mostly appearing to be strong in healing and trying to mm-hmm. heal people from strength, right? So you might um, share a testimony of, of something that you've overcome and you're always right. overcoming it, right? Like you're never weakened. Uh, you might have a sin issue in the past, you know, like 15 years ago, mm-hmm. um, but suddenly you don't have any sin. Um, and so you're healing from this, this reservoir of strength. And for mm-hmm. me, something that I've endeavored to do is to uh, create from the places of weaknesses and stumblings that I mm-hmm. have um writing has been one vehicle for that so I was I loved when Mm. you brought uh this topic up because I feel that I am mostly writing for the weak um Mm. I don't know the strong (laughs) I don't (laughs) I'm wounded I know there's a whole lot of wounded people and so I'm writing from the wound you know Mm -hmm. thoughts on that 
Yeah. Um, uh, well, I love your, your Substack. I think it's the, mm. like, like you're saying, it's yeah. just, you know, you being really honest every week or I don't know if you, you seem to write a couple times a week, but mm-hmm. yeah, about where you are and uh, your poetry. <laughs> yeah. Your poetry. <laughs> no, your poetry. Robert. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it, it, I don't know. I was trying to think about this because I think there's a way of um, complaining that rubs people the wrong way. And I, I think as someone who's been chronically ill most of her life, I've, uh, I've annoyed people with my complaining or whatever. And I, and so I've tried really hard to overcompensate for that by like not complaining and, you know, or only, or making really sure that I'm in a safe place when I complain or that, you know, that it's, I'm, yeah, giving at least listening to the other person as much as I'm giving out, it's all like very finely calibrated to make sure I'm not um, too much for the other person. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a, there's a danger, um, not a danger, that's the wrong word, a fear of writing really honestly that people are going to hear it as whining and complaining and be like, come on, just, you know, buck up or, you know, we don't want to hear about this. And so I was trying to think like, and I don't know, I didn't really get the answer to this question. Maybe you know it, but I was trying to think like, why, why is it different when you write, you know, when I read your Substack, I'm never like, oh my gosh, here's Robert complaining again, you know, (laughs) but it's always like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. And I mean, I guess it's, I guess it's because I can relate, you know, like not to your specific issues Mm. necessarily, but to the pain of being a human being, you know, Mm. I don't know if you have, yeah, we're in the end game now. I, (laughs) listen, I, you know, I started my Substack musings from a broken heart because of everything that we're talking about, I, I felt like I couldn't create theology, I couldn't create art, I couldn't create outside of what has shaped me, which has not mostly been my strengths. Mm. I think Tina Turner, someone asked her one time, has that good in your life outweighed the bad? And, you know, they're expecting this like bright, you know, jubilant answer. And she said, oh, no. Yeah. And that was such a raw, wow. powerful answer where she's saying no the good hasn't outweighed the bad the bad has most certainly outweighed the good and wow. for, for me that's honest I cannot say like I love God, I love the world I love human beings I try to be optimistic but I cannot say that the good has outweighed the bad for me and so hmm. writing about that has been both cathartic I have that same fear um of 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 spilling too much oversharing and whatnot and mm-hmm. um why is it different i i think well sometimes it's not i <laughs> um you know after i share my last post <laughs> some people e- emailed immediately and said take me off this newsletter <laughs> said, oh, oh wow and uh which stings you know it hurts um because you are sharing your raw form who you are and when that's rejected that hurts 
in a way that other uh, forms of art may not uh, experience. But mm. what I would say is it is more painful to to live life with a mask on than the fear of removing it mm. for others, right? Like I don't want to go back to, um, you know, pretending that everything is okay and creating from that place, uh, mm-hmm. even though you do get more money. I, w- I also was thinking this as you were talking, being mm-hmm. positive all the time and having the uplifting thing to say to everybody, um, foregoing that cost you something um Hmm. as a writer as a human as a because people like that like I could Hmm. give a catchy phrase every day and I promise my social media following will grow thinking about the the opportunities that you forgo uh when you are this person that Hmm. is raw when you are honest um yeah so I'm thinking about that as as you were talking honestly Oh, yeah. That's discouraging to hear that uh, yet another of my life decisions is making me less money. Yeah. (laughs) Because you think about it, if you were to post a Bible verse every day, Mm. and and it was a positive one, everyone loves that. (laughs) I mean, there's a certain crowd that loves that, right? Right, right. And that would be awesome. (laughs) That would be we wouldn't have the the blessings for the long night book definitely uh it would mm-hmm. just be a book of scripture and not bashing people who do that i think what is the risk and reward ratio is different right mm-hmm. um you have the opportunity to really help somebody attend to the hard places in their own life by being raw about your life Mm -hmm. and I see that in your work in the type of work that you do you know yeah thanks well it's the difference between I think between telling people like everything's going to be okay and acknowledging like no everything is not okay we don't know if it's going to be okay but let's sit together you know Mm -hmm. let's be here for each other in it Yeah, there's a beauty in that because you're not only complaining, you're not only talking about the hard spaces, you are reaching for that let us be together in it. And and, Mm -hmm. and in that way, it's hopeful, right? It's not a pie in the sky type of hope. It's okay, can we just acknowledge this is all painful? You know, (laughs) these wounds? Okay. We can do this together. And I hear that in a lot of your your writing. I hear the echo of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least we don't have to make it worse by being fake about it or, you know, pretending that everything's okay when it's not. Mm. Yeah. I love it. I want to get into you. Speaking of your writing, you work. Okay. <laughs> um, good morning, friends. Gentle suggestions for the start of your day. I wish y'all could see uh how beat up my copy of this book is mm-hmm. <laughs> um <Yeah>. and um uh, <laughs> i want to say like um getting this book and utilizing this book i am so serious about my morning routine um i i think i've always been that way even when i was a child um when i was an atheist i I was always serious about trying to attend to the morning. And as somebody who has high anxiety, Mm. um, 
I felt like my mind was at least the clearest in the morning, right? And so I'm always looking for a good book to read in the morning to start my morning slow. And so this book is like right up there. <laughs> it sits right oh, yeah. next to my desk. Um, and so talk about why you wrote this. Like, why is it gentle suggestions for the start of your day? Yeah, well, my my initial idea was to have, I wanted to have some kind of morning version of my book, 365 Days of Peace. Because mm. I wrote, I wrote those in the morning, in the evening, and they were very sort of evening focused, like winding down, letting go mm. of the day. And, um, but I, I didn't, for a while, I wasn't really sure what to do about the structure, because the 365 days of peace are poems and they all start with the word peace and 365 was already a lot of poems to write that all start with the word <laughs> you're peace. like I'm not doing yeah. that again <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> period <laughs> yeah and I mean but that was part of I think what made them what what I liked about them is that 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 repetition made them feel almost like liturgy you know mm, like yeah, that yeah that sort of familiar sound that you know the words that you're sort of sinking into um so I thought for a really long time you know but I couldn't think about I couldn't think of another another thing similar to peace <laughs> to do you know like it did nothing really was seeming to work um but in the meantime I was writing some mornings and the the 365 days of peace I wrote entirely into twitter um, in real time, like every evening for a year, almost mm -hmm. every evening, I would sit mm -hmm. down, you know, and open Twitter and write those. And so in the meantime, I was writing, I was writing things in the morning mm -hmm. on Twitter, um, but they were, they were prose, they were paragraphs, you know, not, not poems. Um, and the Good Morning Friends, I kind of borrowed from Lin-Manuel Miranda, because mm -hmm. he did, I don't know if you were on Twitter, or if you knew um I wasn't I wasn't hip to him okay yeah for a few years I think he was doing um these good morning good morning good night tweets mm. and he'd do one in the morning and then the evening tweet would be like a reprise of the morning one mm. and I I loved those and so I was doing my own good morning friends tweets in the morning um and so I decided to just put those together into a book yeah mm. and the and the other thing was I wanted, I didn't know whether I should have 365 of them again. And I decided that I wasn't going to. So I'm a little, I'm a little like nervous that they don't match. So in my mind, it's like the morning version of my evening book, but in reality, they're, they're pretty different. So, but I, I, I feel like the spirit of them matches, even though the structure is different. Mm. Mm. I want to read a couple that that, that touched me uh, oh. just because we're talking about it. Um, so this kind of is uh, a recurring portion of it, um, of your book that really has touched me. Uh, what is the deepest wisdom that your spirit is telling you today? And I love that. Like, you know, you have one for the heart. What is the, what message does your body most need to hear today? And I love sitting with those questions. Um, I usually light my candle in the morning 
read a bit of this and taking the time to really think through what, you know, what message does my body need to hear today? You know, mm. what's the deepest wisdom that uh, my heart is telling me? And um, being willing to go there uh, can be frightening in the morning because sometimes that wisdom or that thing that you most need to hear um, is painful, right? Um, mm. You know, I use this as a springboard to write an affirmation to myself, you know, and my body. Oh, wow. and, so, and so, yeah, I've loved even just that gentle suggestion. You're not telling us how to think. You're not um, trying to guide us a certain place. You are, it really is a gentle suggestion. Like, mm. good morning, have you thought of, right? Right. So, yeah, it's been a blessing, that, that particular one. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. I well, mo- most of them in there, I, I try to be very gentle. If I'm offering any kind of wisdom or advice, I try to offer it gently. You know, like I don't know if you need to hear this or not, but here's mm-hmm. something that has, in all of them, I'm really just speaking to myself, you know, like this is what I need to hear. And so mm-hmm. I'm writing it in case it's helpful also to you. Mm-hmm. So I, so those 20 questions that I have in there, I wanted to like lean into that even more like maybe I have some wisdom to share with you but you also have wisdom to -hmm. share with yourself and so maybe I could help you kind of access that access that no I could (laughs) I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable listen (laughs) yeah I love that um Black Coffee and Theology Pod is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. Follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. If you like the content that you are receiving here and want to receive more, whether that is in longer conversations, essays, devotions, and videos from either myself, Sam, or Trey, please sign up for for our Patreon at patreon.com slash three black men. Don't forget to like, rate, and review Black Coffee and Theology Pod as well as Three Black Men.